Welcome back to another fruitful episode of One of Us Has to Be Right. Josh, I think we're just going to get right into it. Let's kick it on over to you. Yeah, no, I'm not feeling too hot this week. Uh, Spent the weekend in Charleston. My body is not very happy with me. Uh, Basically slept the whole day today. My voice is kind of on the fritz, but I think that's going to be okay. Yeah, that's no worry, Josh, because I'm here. Let's go. (laughs) So, Josh, I guess one of us had to be right last week, and the person that said that John was going to be on in the next two weeks was right. It It was was you. It was you. You love to see it. John, what a pleasure to have you on the pod. Feels good. Thank you for having me. You know, always awesome to have a listener come on to the pod. Um, He's taking a phone call right now. Yeah. So, it's casual. We're just going to pause. No, I'll no, start, no. Yeah. I get, we get scam calls, so no worries. Oh, the landlines go hard <laughs> over in the current residence. But, but you know what? I'll, I'll start it off Ooh. with my scary good and bad if, if, if we want to. Let's hear it. All right. I mean, I know I talked about it last week, but my scary bad has not gotten any better, and it is still the Ben Simmons situation in Philly. That was not your scary bad. Oh, that was your scary bad. Yes, it was. Yeah. That was also going to be my scary bad this week. Okay. Well, I mean, we do have six six scary goods and bads, so I guess we could always flip it around. But, yeah, dude, it has not been been pretty. Uh, They've been interviewing Joel Embiid, but Joel's like, dude, I just want to play basketball. Like, he's not trying to pick a side between Ben and the Sixers. Sixers fans are upset. He's getting kicked out of practice for not being "quote unquote" engaged physically or mentally. Yeah, he's suspended. And now he's, suspended. he's well, he got, yeah, he got kicked out of practice, and then they hit him with a one-game suspension too. So, like, they just have to get that dude out of here. We've been saying that for months, but this is just another feather in the cap for exactly why they need to get him out of Philadelphia. So, Josh, I'm just going to ask you this: this, uh, this is kind of a, this could be a true or false question, but do you think that Ben Simmons plays a single game as a 76 of the season, or do you think he's going to get moved before, you know, he actually starts playing? Well, I mean, regular season starts today, and I know we're going to go into a little bit of basketball stuff later in the pod, but I think I, I think he it's the same situation as Kyrie. Like he might try to play a couple of games. Uh, but basically, it's just what Harden did last year to make sure that he still got game, and then they can just ship him out. That's my thought process. Yeah. Let's hear scary, scary good now. No, my scary good dude is. Look, when I saw this line initially, I was about to absolutely slam it, and uh, luckily I didn't have any type of app or anything on my phone and. Um, I saw Chargers minus or Chargers plus two and a half, right? Dude, that was just about to be my scary bad. What is going on? That's hilarious. No, but the flip side of it is my scary good is the fact that the Ravens have been absolutely rolling. And and to be fair, it wasn't something where they looked super good, Um, especially like Lamar Jackson's quarterback play didn't look awesome. But they were handling a Super Bowl caliber team that we've been hyping up for the last two weeks, and yet they were able to go in there and win handily with three, I mean, like, rotation running backs in between uh, Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, and Latavius Murray. Basically, you know, take three 30-year-old dudes and just kind of switch them on and off. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy for fantasy stuff, but... I mean, it's been incredible yeah. just kind of watching them, you know, put those guys in rotation and, and run that running offense. Hollywood Brown's looking a little better. I mean, after, you know, dropping two easy touchdowns against the Lions, he's kind of coming to his own. Mark Andrews is looking solid. So just that overall Ravens team, defense, offense, special teams, 
Um, they've kind of proved why they're on, on top of the AFC North, which is always a crowded division. Yeah, I was watching, I, not to uh, interrupt you, but I was watching, I watched a little bit of that game because the Jets were on a bye, and I was stunned. I thought the Chargers were going to go into Baltimore and have a cakewalk, and man, was it the other way around. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, John, let's hear your scary good and scary bad for the world of sports this week. All right, sounds good. So, my scary good, I'm going with a specific player here on the Boston Red Sox, but it's not going to be Devers. It's not going to be J.D. Martinez. It's not going to be Kike Hernandez. It's going to be Nathan Avaldi. So, wow. Nathan Avaldi throughout the 2021 season, 182 innings, 11 and 9, 375 ERA. He was a staple piece in that Red Sox rotation uh, without Chris Sale. And he's pitched well so far in the postseason. He pitched well at the, at the wild card game when I was there. He pitched well in Game Three of the Division Series, and he pitched well in Game Two in Houston. And he, just had to drop that on us. Oh yeah, the casual. I was at that casual appearance. John was like, I couldn't make it to the pod. I was too busy at an MLB playoff game. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah, uh, but people also forget he played a really big role in that 2018 World Series as well. In yep. Game Three, when they lost that 18 inning game, because he ate up six plus innings, saved the bullpen. Boston went on to win the next two games, and a lot of Red Sox fans will even say he that was actually a very key performance in that World Series. I think if Boston goes on and wins the World Series this year, I don't see Nathan Evaldi ever buying another meal again in Boston. Yeah, I like what's your scary bad? I love that. What's, what's got you? Ooh, what's got you upset? All right, so my scary bit bad, I labeled this actually a bit of a question mark, and I labeled this because now that the two of the top five uh, jobs in all of college football are open in LSU and USC, yeah. who's going to be their next head coach? We already know LSU is going to um, uh, make a big headline. They've already come out and said that. Um, I could see James Franklin from Penn State on the move. I could see Ooh. Mario Cristobal from Oregon on the move, Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, P.J. Fleck, Mel Tucker. Uh, Dabo Sweeney and Jimbo Fisher, even though those are unlikely names to move, they've even been dropped for the LSU job. Yeah. Um, if any of these, I could see Dabo gone. Yeah, if any of these, you know, high-level programs lose their head coach, I think with the exception of Penn State, they'll be okay. Um, the other programs, though, will take will will, will hurt a bit. Oh, and it's also. Oh. No, either one. Dude, Cincinnati would take a massive hit. I mean, oh, you would yeah, lose Desmond Ritter. You would lose that's Luke. That's what I was just going like, to say. And, and look, that was because that was the connect. Or no, because now Luke is connected to the USC job because the um, what it was the uh, AD who hired him for his last head coaching gig or his last coordinator gig is now the AD at USC. So that was the big, big connection there. But I don't think Luke's a big enough name to head coach at, at USC anymore. No, I think in John, the I think in the end I think that's where James Franklin ends up. But Justin, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna ask because me and John, me and Josh were talking about this the other week. What's that receiver's name on Cincinnati? Oh, I forget. I, I I'm more in tune with their defense honestly than their offense right now. Okay, is he is he draft eligible this year? Yes, they, they do have a draft eligible wide oh, receiver. Dude, imagine losing their head coach Desmond Reader and a top five receiver in all of college. That'd be. T- Terrible and season. on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be losing um, their top edge rusher, their two top corners, and I think two linebackers this year, two oh all to the God. NFL draft. <laughs> so if you're a Cincinnati bad fan, year, enjoy a while. Bad last. year to be a yeah, really bad year to be a Cincinnati freshman. Yeah, who yeah. knew that? Who knew that Cincinnati was that stacked? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it. I mean, they did give Georgia a really hard time last year. I think it was the Peach Bowl they played in. 
Yeah. So we knew that they were good, but we didn't realize they were this good. Yeah. Yeah. So I've taken the liberty, considering that this is half of my podcast, to have two scary goods this week and no scary goods. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it positive. I like it. <laughs> so, scary good. MLB minors requiring housing for players. Love to see it. That's huge. Um, huge for a bunch of guys that also have side jobs just to be able to provide for their own rent, to be able to buy their own groceries. And now if they're requiring to be housed, I don't know what's going to look like for AAA ball. Um, I can see a couple of those teams fading away because teams just can't afford it. But, I mean, John, you know a lot more about the farming system well, than I do. Yeah, I, yeah, and so, I, go ahead. I mean... I was just going to say, like, I don't think AAA, AA, those guys aren't the ones that are super strapped for cash. It's your your high A, your low A, your GCL rookie leagues and things like that. Like, those are the guys who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old that are making, yeah. you know, 40, 50K, which still, like, it's not... It's oh, not they're not even making that much. Really? Some of them even make, like, below minimum wage at times. Oh, I, my I've gosh. Seen, like, I mean, I've seen some really, like, crazy things about, like the minor league living situation before this got passed and i i i mean i think this is huge i think this is a this is a great thing for uh the players and i think you know it's time the organization to step up and help these guys because a lot of them really do struggle financially in, in the minor leagues and um, this this is this is a really good thing for for a lot of people yeah second scary good because I felt like I couldn't just have one scary good and, not, and like no, nothing for a scary bad. We, we need to have two scary goods here. And it's a team in the NFL that nobody thought was going to be as good as they are. And they're 4-2 and two right now in a stacked division. And it is the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Okay. I was not – no, I, I'm not just saying because they beat the Lions last week. Cool. Wow. That's just a shot at Josh right there. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, wait. <clears throat> Are the, are, do the Lions have a win? No, but the Jaguars do? Gotcha, gotcha. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like scary. Like, I would say the Lions are scary bad right now. Like, we lost no. we lost Frank Rag now. We lost, um, I mean. Jamie Collins also yeah, just well, left. Well, we cut him. We didn't even yeah. want him on the team anymore. So, I've got, I've, I've told you about the bet that I've got going on with my coworker where it's it's a uh, hundred bucks if we win more than two games, even money. If uh, if we win two and then if they win one or zero, I've got to pay them a hundred bucks. It's looking scary now. It's looking pretty scary. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just saying. You know, a team that I didn't think was going to be nearly as productive. You know, especially all of us watching Jamar Chase in that preseason drop every single thing that was thrown at him. Maybe he took some of Jerry Rice's dad's advice and started catching bricks in his basement. Unlike unlike I'm unlike Ross um, but, you know, he's got hands. Joe Burrow is looking a lot better than I thought he was going to. That line has held up enough. And yeah, the defense has shown up to play a lot more than I thought that they were going to. Scary good, the Bengals. Now, we got some true or false for you guys. And I'm going to ask the first one to John here. I want to start with John to see his response. However, Josh, please feel free to piggyback off of this. With the win... In London, Urban Meyer's job is no longer in question. I'm going to say right now false because I think the Jaguars are in the same situation that my Jets are in right now, and it's 
the priority is developing the quarterback. And if Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence progresses well throughout the year, I feel like they could even go two and fifteen, three and fourteen. As long as he's uh, progressing well, they're going to keep Urban Meyer around. Yeah, I agree. That's a hundred percent false. Uh, people still haven't forgotten about everything that went on with that scandal. Um, I mean, they he said that the locker room after that game was like they won the uh, college football championship, which like good for them. But it's that's sad. still that's still a guy exactly. That's still a guy who I don't think has control of that locker room yet, uh, and it's going to take a couple more close games. And like John said, the development of Trevor Lawrence and a lot of those young pieces kind of melding together in order for him to keep that job. Yeah, I'd also I'd love to see him gone, especially after wa- just watching the way that he's scripting games and everything. And I know a lot of that has to do with Daryl Bevel too, but if you're a head coach and just watching Trevor digress from his college reads and from his playmaking. I don't think his playmaking ability has really suffered, but I think his decision-making has suffered a lot based on what he's been told to do. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. And now, John, you have a couple of true or false. Let's hear one from you and who you want to start off this conversation. Okay, Josh, uh, this... Either one of you guys can jump in here, but Josh, I kind of specified this one for you. Yeah. Um, is Michigan the best uh, football team in the Big Ten right now? Unfortunately, no. Um, mm. I think that I think that you still have to put Ohio State on top. Um, we I don't think we have a resume win yet, and I know I was texting this in the group chat. I think our game against Penn State on the thirtieth is going to be um, our most important because if we lose that one. It's going to steal all the momentum away from Ohio State and that matchup. And then we've also got Michigan State as well. Or it might be Michigan State on the 30th, Penn State on the 13th. Either way, we've got three, um, three statement wins that we would have to make in order to be the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it's kind of a cloud at the top. Uh, you've got Penn State without Sean Clifford, depending on when he comes back. Um, that was a team that looked great against Iowa, who looked absolutely terrible last week against Purdue. So I think until you start seeing those statement wins come through, um, I think all at the top right now, you've got Penn State, uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan kind of jockeying for that number one position. But I don't think that we have a clear statement win in order for us to say, yes, we are the best team in the conference. All right, yeah, I agree with you. And um, for any listeners out there, actually, um, the weekend of October 30th is a big week for the Big Ten. you got Michigan playing Michigan State okay, that's in East Lansing, and you have Penn State, Ohio State playing in Columbus. So oh. we're going to find a lot out about the Big yeah. Ten East on, and then, uh, on that, that Saturday. Yeah, and then it's yeah, the, thir- I think- the 13th is that Penn State-Michigan game, and then the 27th is Ohio State-Michigan. So Yep, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I think I think a lot of this comes down to Sean Clifford not being available. Um, if he's in, I think that Penn State takes the edge over Ohio State. But with him out, I, there's just no way you can convince me that, that Penn State has a fighting – those Nittany Lions have a fighting chance well, against some walnuts. Well, okay, the funny so- – when it comes to the Penn State-Ohio State game, I'm going to pick Ohio State even with or without Sean Clifford because I know the Ohio State defense isn't what we're used to seeing, but Penn State's a one-dimensional offensive team. And yep. listen out. Watch out for the name Denzel Burke. You're going to hear him a lot. He's a defense, freshman defensive back from Ohio State. I think he's going to have a big game against Penn State, and I think that Ohio State defense is just good enough to overcome you know their, who else? their shortcomings. You know who else was a good cornerback from Ohio State? 
Don't say Jeff Okuda. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> hey, I was upset when we drafted C.J. Henderson. You can ask John all about that. I was so upset when we drafted him, he and was. now he's not even on the team anymore, so and that's that. Well, and the, the funny thing about Sean Clifford, too, is it's not like he's a great quarterback. He's not. It's no, just it's the just team. The, uh, the team plays better with him at the helm. Like it's not like he's still good. There. He's still good for two picks, but like he still throws a touchdown where Armani Robinson or whoever came in to back him up can't even do that. Yeah, and the Penn State offensive coordinator. I'm just totally blanking on his name, but he's going to be in head coaching conversations in the next couple of years. He's a very good coordinator. I like him a lot. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that is that we'll see how these college offensive coordinators, head coaches, are going to be viewed after we see guys the likes of Matt Rule play out and after we see the guys the likes of Urban Meyer play out, now that there's this new generation of, yeah, we have a bunch of guys that know how to deal with college quarterbacks, but are they going to be able to transfer that over into the NFL? Um, Sam Darnold looked really good the first three games. Last three games? Uh... Well, I think it's even more of a question of can these offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators from colleges go to these programs and be head coaches in the in college football. I don't think we are necessarily going to see a lot of college football poaching for NFL jobs as much as we need to see these coordinators step up into head coaching positions. But the problem is John, usually. Is it- I'm sorry, John. Is that what you meant? You meant college, not the NFL. Yeah, I, I meant more on the okay. college. Okay. No, I'm stupid. I'm really dumb. No, no, that. you're good. Don't worry. Jo- Josh, please keep going. I just wanted to clarify that that that's what I thought the question was. Not that I'm more stupid than that. Yeah, no. But like, usually you see guys like go from the offensive coordinator of a big school to a head coach of a non-power five, and then from the non-power five into the power five. Usually, that's the kind of the trending progression that you see. But something that we might see is like. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Lou, uh, leave. That's I've heard that name thrown into the LSU, uh, you know, circle before, just because of his pedigree as a former head coach. And I've seen a lot of like the, um, you know, the bigger school offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators kind of be thrown into the conversation for some of these larger state school uh, vacancies, just because of the pedigree that they have at their school. Yeah, if I were Steve Sarkeesian, I would run away from Texas as fast as I can, especially with them going to the SEC. They do not look like they're going to compete in the SEC West anytime soon. Yeah. It's because the GOAT Sam Ellinger is gone. (laughs) Next one. Going to you, Josh. Oh, you guys didn't know who was going to get it. Uh Um, Not just in favor for the Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. Derrick Henry can win MVP. Oh, 100%. True or false? 100%. The reason why I say 100% is because this is a guy who everyone was like, oh, this is going to be a regression year. This is going to be a regression year. But he's having a Sean Alexander 2007 type year. Like, he is on track right now to get somewhere in the, the realm. 28 touchdowns. Of, yeah. Of easily 25, 25 to 30 touchdowns this year because teams still can't stop him. And the statistic that I saw that is just a testament uh, to like he's actually, a grown man. He's breaking people's wills and breaking defenses' wills down. Is that in the first quarter he's averaging two point eight yards a carry, pretty pretty uh, pretty pedestrian, and then it bumps up to like three point six in the second quarter, 
and then it goes to somewhere around 4.4 for the third, and then it's 6.8 yards a carry in the fourth in overtime. <laughs> so, like, this is a guy, he just gets better as the game goes on. He kind of reminds me of how Justin Verlander can take the bump and start throwing, like, 95 in the first inning, and then by the seventh or eighth inning, he's out there throwing 101. So, he's just a guy who gets better as the game goes on, and I think if the Titans can stay relevant, the only reason I say he doesn't right now is because of the fact that Kyler Murray's leading a 6-0 and Cardinals team, and a guy named Tom Brady is still playing pretty well as well. Um, and you've got Dak still in the, the conversation. Usually it is a quarterback spot uh, for that MVP. But if, if, if Derrick Henry continues to look as good as he's looking, I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a question. I think that the odds are still in his favor. Um, I, th- I think it's just usually a quarterback-dominated award, and that's the only reason that he's not getting the consideration he deserves. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's so many things he does that don't even go into the stat line. Like, you know, teams stack the box against him, then it opens it up for A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he's a special player. Derrick Henry is a very special player. False. Derrick Henry will not win MVP this year. And it's not because he's not the most valuable player in the NFL. It is because running backs just don't get the nod for it. I think Tom Brady is going to get it. You know, most passing yards through the first six weeks or six weeks, second in touchdowns. I think he's probably top five in fewest interceptions turned over. Completion percentage, I, I know he's top ten. Um, leading a really good Bucks team with some solid chemistry. I just don't think that it unless Derrick Henry puts up 28. He's on pace to put up 28 touchdowns and have well over 2,000 yards rushing. Um, I. Unless he puts up plus at least plus twenty touchdowns and at least twenty two hundred yards, I don't think that he's gonna get the MVP. Yeah, we'll have to see. All right, John, throwing it over to you. All right, sounds good. All right, this one is a open discussion. Uh, will the Dodge? <laughs> I currently have the Dodgers Braves on, and as we sit here right now on Tuesday evening. They are da- the Dodgers are down five two in the bottom of the sixth. I'm, I'm sorry, the top of the sixth inning. Are they going to get swept in the NLCS by the Atlanta Braves? <sighs> that's that's tough because Josh, you know, you said there was no way there was any team that was beating them in a series, and now we're discussing if they're going to get swept by the Atlanta Braves. Well, and that's the thing is that I did not see the synergy of this Braves team. Not to mention, I'm going to throw it out there, Austin Riley might be the MVP this year. I can't disagree with you there. I mean, I, mean, I, know, I think sense. the writers are going to give it to Tatis, but I would vote for Austin Riley right now. I mean, he is coming out, and this is a team without Acuna. This is a team without Soroka. I mean, you, you're missing your ace, and you're missing your best offensive player, and yet you're still coming out and dismantling a team that has a payroll that's probably... Forty to sixty million dollars higher, and has I mean well, uh, well, how up. disgusting though how disgusting Trey Turner's performance this postseason has been. Well, I mean, you think Turner, you you pick up Scherzer, I mean, you you lose <clears throat> Trevor Bauer to that whole situation, Ooh. and then you and then you go and you pick up Max Scherzer, but yeah, they can't. I mean, yeah, and even like in Game Five, we saw how good Mookie Betts, how, why Mookie Betts got that contract he did. Like, yeah. I, I watched that whole game. That was one of the best games I've seen all season. Mookie Betts in the sixth inning gets on leadoff single. Analytics, everything tells you, don't steal second base with Buster Posey behind, middle of the game, and you have like the 
two, three, four, three, four, five coming up. He gets on steel second base, scores on a little flare from I think it was Corey. Se- I think it was Corey Seager who hit it. Yeah. If he didn't steal second and, and score on that at bat, the next two at bats were strikeouts. He wouldn't have scored, and the Dodgers would have lost that game. Probably would have lost that game, or they would have had to go in the extra innings. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, as far as being swept, it just it blows my mind to think that they're gonna probably be three zero behind the Braves. Well, and, and I know this episode this episode won't come out till Thursday, so all will be said and done. Not all will be. They said could and be. Done, sw- it could. Yeah, it might be. The sweep might be done out. by then. The sweep might be done by then. <laughs> and, and it's strictly from a synergy standpoint. It's just because there is mm-hmm. not there is not a complete team playing like the and the thing was is I thought that the Giants were that I thought the Giants were that team that were playing so synergistically that it just that it was just like they are the team to beat and then boom now we're looking at this Braves team and it's like well maybe they are like they barely they barely you know made it out of their division alive and now they found come from where did they come from they found a way to win without Acuna it hurts me personally, just as a diehard Mets fan, that they <laughs> did this because the Mets were in first place for like 108 days, yeah, and then absolutely fell apart. John, I, John actually has a tick mark on his wall of his bedroom of how many days they, the Mets were in first. Place. I still, I still remember 2006, the Adam Wainwright, Carlos Beltran at bat. That mm. is, I blame that on everything that has gone wrong in my life. <laughs> <clears throat> well, so who do you guys think are, are coming out of the AL right now? Red Sox or the or the Strohs. Sox have the series two one right now. I think gotta be the Sox, dude. And because exactly of what John just said. I mean, you look and he went through three or four guys that could be the X factor, and then he went with a guy like Nate Evaldi. So I mean, you look at Kike, you look at uh, Verdugo, Devers. I mean, you go through that very young, incredibly talented lineup led by a true leader in Alex Cora who gets upset at his team and, and holds them accountable for taunting. And, I mean, he has become what everyone expected him to be when they uh, initially hired him post-scandal and then obviously had to kind of get rid of him and then bring him back. So, well, I think that the only reason the Astros might not win the series is because of the pitching. I love Altuve, love Correa for the rest of the year, love what Bregman's been able to do, Tucker's been playing better than I thought he would. Um so, without Lance McCullers playing, hate to see it. Hate to see it in the, in the entire series. But I think I think the pitching is the only thing that the Dodgers have a leg up on the Astros in right now. Red Sox. One of us has to be right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the issue right now with Altuve is he's not playing well in the field. He's made, I think, at least two errors in three games. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that's what hurts you in the playoffs is bad defense. Yeah, he's he's because we all know everybody that's in the playoffs can swing a damn bat, and he and like I said, he scored four runs in in that other whichever game was on when me and Josh were recording. He scored four runs the, like the night before, and like mm-hmm. he can put up points, he can get you that offense, but you cannot be making errors in the in the uh, ALCS right now. Yeah, I just think I think we're I think we're right. gonna end up seeing yeah, Boston ALCS. Atlanta because. They're just both so hot right now. I think we're going to see two red-hot teams who weren't necessarily the best teams all year come together in the World Series, which I honestly prefer. I'm a little bit tired of seeing, you know, the 200-game winners that just blow everybody away. Um, I'm excited for it. If it it happens. I mean, like, 
I mean, like we'll we'll definitely see tonight. We have at 8 p.m. the Astros, Red Sox, and if the Red Sox get a 3-1 lead, it's not looking good for the Astros there. Yeah. Um. All right. So John, this one kind of goes back to you here. True or false? Baker Mayfield is holding the Browns back. Ooh, that's a th- I'm going to say yes because you're now in a division with – I might be watching a little too much Cow- Colin Coward on uh, YouTube these days, but um, I'm going to say <laughs> I yes. Colin. I hate him so much. But, I mean, it makes sense why I hate him, but I hate him so much. When you're in a division where Joe Burrow looks like he's becoming that elite quarterback and the Bengals are building a really good team and Lamar Jackson is playing the way he is – and we don't know. And the Steelers could do anything at quarterback after Ben is gone. They might draft, you know, the next Peyton Manning for all we know. We don't know. But Baker Mayfield, we've seen what he is. He is one of the most complete teams, and he still can't quite put them over that hump. So I'm going to have to say yes on that. John? So here's why you're wrong. I think you never <laughs> thought you'd get that to the face, but here's why you're wrong. A I've lot done of it plenty me- of times. A lot of this to me is coming down to script, um, and a lot of it's – I hate to say it, and I hate to use the excuse, but injuries are plaguing the Browns right now. You have Chubb out for a lot of the games. Kareem Hunt just went down this week. OBJ OBJ with the shoulder. You got Jack Conklin. Now they're starting left tackle gone. David Clowney hasn't been healthy. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, David Clowney hasn't been able to play every single game, and and they're just – I think that a bunch of this play calling is directed towards a running gun, and everybody wants to pull up Baker's stats and say, oh, he's not top 10 in, in passing yards, not top 10 in touchdowns, when that's just not the style of the Browns. So I don't know if I can put that all on Baker rather than just just not just you know not having him used properly, in my opinion. Yeah. I might be a little biased, but Josh, let's hear what you have to say. <laughs> I mean, you only named your dog after Baker. Yeah, Mayfield, who, who, who even is Baker Mayfield? Josh, <laughs> let's hear what you have to say. No, my thing is, I think that Baker is good, but I think that he is at the level right now where he might be holding this team back from being great. And and don't get me wrong, I think that Baker Mayfield is a very talented quarterback. I just don't know if him and Stefanski are the match made in heaven that we've seen with Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor, that we've seen not, with Cliff, n- Cliff Kingsbury and, and, and Kyler Murray, or Sean McVay even, and well, Matthew here's the Stafford. Thing. Here's the thing. We, we were all last year rooting for Kevin Stefanski to win head coach of the year because of what him and Baker were able to do. We see Cliff Kingsbury put up one good year while he's on the hot seat, and now all of a sudden that's the match made in heaven. We saw Brian Flores almost take a an abysmal Dolphins team to the playoffs. They're one in five right now and just lost to the worst team in the NFL. So I think that I think that a, a lot has to be said on these one-year wonder head coach quarterback situations. I mean, but we always said that Mike Tomlin and Big Ben were probably one of the best quarterback head coach combinations of all time. And now we're looking at it and they just don't. I mean, this year they don't. I'm just look- saying for a year. I was just saying for a single year. I, mean, still, the, I hate to say it, but the Steelers are three and three right now. Yeah, but what we have seen is we've seen we saw Stefanski do what he could with Baker. I just think I've saw I've seen something where they trade Baker to Seattle and get Russ. I've seen something where they trade <laughs> they trade eh, yeah they trade Baker to Green Bay and get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, all of those things make sense because I think that if you can put Baker and you know maybe a, a first or second round pick, I still think that Baker's talented enough 
that he could be a difference maker wherever he goes. But if you're a rebuilding team like the Seattle Seahawks look like they are right now, I don't know why you don't pick up the phone if you're John Schneider. I'm actually very happy to see Seattle uh, looking like a rebuilder right now because that first well, round draft pick is just getting higher and higher for my Jets. Yeah. Well, John, John, I hate to I hate to lower your expectations, but they got the Jaguars next week, so they're going up to three and four. Hate to break it to you. Um, unless Trevor Lawrence shreds that defense. I we'll mean, it's, it wouldn't be hard. You saw what happened. Well, Blitzboy can't catch he, anything, so. No. I'm the best in the nation. You're 62 yeah. out of 85 on PFF, but okay. okay. Shut up, though. I hate PFF. I hate PFF so much. Okay. I hate it so much. Okay. All right. Uh, so, John, I think you have one last one. I do. <clears throat> this one goes out to you, Matt, uh, as a Giants fan. Um, the Giants are worse than the Jets. Oh. Both are one and five. Both are one and five. Both are very um, bad. <laughs> both are abysmal. As isn't that funny? We have a Jaguars fan, a Lions fan, a Giants fan, and the Jets fan as the four biggest supporters of this podcast. <laughs> I feel like we have no place to speak. Like, yeah, we point. really don't. And um, Joey and Joey Macy's brother, Eagles fan. So there's not much. To, yikes. <laughs> there's not much success coming around this podcast right now. <clears throat> yeah. No. Um. I'll take this one for a little bit. Um, I think that the Jets might be in a better position long term. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that the talent level, I still think that the Giants, um, with a healthy Daniel Jones, with a healthy Saquon Barkley, with a healthy receiving core, um, if Evan Ingram can even pa- catch half of the passes that they throw towards him, um, obviously the offensive line still needs work. But coming into this season, we were talking about, oh, how good this Giants defense is going to be, how good Joe Judge is looking, blah, blah, blah. And it's been, you know, six bad games. Um, you know, go one and five, you lose your workhorse back in Saquon. But I still think that overall the Giants this year are a better are in a better position to win, at least win a couple more games. Uh, but I think that the, I think I like where the Jets are are long term uh, in this situation because of the fact that I think that Robert Sala is a better head coach than Joe Judge. I think that Zach Wilson has shown flashes, even though he's also shown not so good flashes. Um, and I think that there's just a lot of development that still needs to happen um, for that Jets team to really hit. But I like the Quinnen and Quincy Williams combo on the defense. Uh, I love what Marcus May's been able to do this year. So there's a lot to go into it. But um, I'm excited. Yeah, I think I agree with that statement, Josh. I, I definitely agree with it. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing is that I miss Quincy Williams with a burning passion being the Jaguars fan that I am. Um, you know, he was a fourth or fifth round pick from a small, tiny college. Don't even remember the name of it. And yeah, he... I loved him on the Jaguars. I don't know why they cut him after preseason, but Urban Meyer's at the helm, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, like like you're saying, Josh, really super high on a bunch of those Giants Giants defensive players, and they've just been eating it all year. Yeah, eating it. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, the Giants are in a worse situation than than the Jets are. I didn't think Danny Dimes was going to be that good. And speaking of pro football focus, they had him rated top five in all quarterbacks over the first five weeks, Josh. Um, he's a he's a bum. I feel victimized bum. right now. Certified bum. What, he can run 20 yards and not drop a football more than 20 times a game? Congratulations, PFF. Um, 
But yeah, I think I think that Zach Wilson will develop into a better quarterback than Daniel Jones will in the course of both of their careers. Matt can't wait for the text in the group chat, but I just it's it's hard, especially given what we saw come out of that minicamp and and preseason stuff with the Giants saying that all these players were getting into fights. Yeah. And there's no team chemistry. Joe Judge doesn't have control of the locker room as much as we thought he did. And then now we see them come out and be one in five. So I, it's a lot of it makes sense. And Matt tried to tell us that the Giants were not the dumpster fire we were claiming they are. But it's kind of looking like they are. We already knew the Jaguars and the Jets and the Lions were. But Matt had that false hope. Yeah, I guess that pretty much does it for true or false then. Yeah. So we're gonna let we're gonna we're gonna let John go now. Um, right, yeah, I know you're not the biggest I know you're not the biggest NBA guy <clears throat> over there. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And um, no, so I I don't know jack about baseball. I try to act like I do. <laughs> but um, so we're gonna say goodbye to John. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, for it was coming a, a lot of fun to be on. Thank you for having me. Of yeah, course, this is what dude. we do weekly. Isn't that cool? Um, yeah, that is pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so we're going to let John sign off now, and then what me and Josh are going to get on now is we're going to talk about who we think are going to make the NBA playoffs this year. The NBA season starts tonight, and I'm curious to see who you got, because I have some pretty bold opinions on things. Yeah, we're going to see who's going to take each division. You've got the Southeast, the Central, the Atlantic, the Northwest, the Pacific, and the Southwest. We'll see who will take each of those as well as who we think come out of the East, who comes out of the West, and who takes it all. So, John, it's been great having you on, brother, but uh, we will, uh, we'll talk to you next week, all right? See ya. Yep. All right, Josh. So let's talk about this right now. Yeah. How I do you want to do this? I think do you we start each. Go ahead. Oh, oh. No, no, no. Yeah. Talk, talk. No, I think we start in the Eastern Conference. We start in the Atlantic, work to Central, work to Southeast. Then we do the same thing, Northwest to Pacific to Southwest uh, over in the Western Conference. And then we pick um, when we're in each division, we'll say whether that team will make um, will make the playoffs or not. Okay. Do you mind if I start off real quick? Absolutely. So starting with the Atlantic, do you want me to just say the teams that I think are going to make it from that division to say who I think is going to take the division? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's so. Sorry, that's de- probably definitely what you just said. When I listen it, back, I'm gonna feel really stupid. It was 100 what I just said. <laughs> so from the Atlantic Division, even with the Kyrie troubles, I think that the Nets take the division. I think that the Celtics and the 76ers also make it from the division. From the Central, I think that the Bucks gotta take it. Ain't no way that there's anybody else competing with them. And I think that the Bulls and Pacers also make the playoffs from that division. And then going down to the southeast, I think that the Hawks take the division. Okay. And I think that the Heat barely sneak on in, and those are my eight from the east. Um, okay. I think um, in the Atlantic, I think that the – I agree that the Nets take it, but I think that the 76ers and the Knicks um, and the Celtics take it. I think four teams take it out of the Atlantic. Wow. Uh, moving into the Central – I think it's just the Bucks and the Bulls. I don't think okay. the Pacers. I don't think the Pacers have it this year. Um, we'll see us a bonus and Turner play. Yeah, and then coming out of the and Southeast, Boston. coming out of the Southeast, I think it's the Hawks. And 
This is tough. The Heat are a tough team. Heat are a tough team to predict with Bam and Jimmy still there though. And they pick up Kyle Lowry. I think that the I think the only I think I think the Heat I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a lot closer than we expect between the Celtics, Bulls, uh, Hornets, and Heat. And I think that it's Celtics, Bulls, Hornets, and the Heat just miss out in that division. Because here's the thing, we're not saying Oh, well, we are saying that the Wizards or the Raptors don't even contend right now. You know, especially if the Wizards trade away Beal and the Raptors losing Lowry. It's it's it's. Oh, I think I know. think that I think the Magic, I think that the Magic, Wizards, Pistons, Cavs, Raptors. I think those five teams don't compete. Um, and I think the I think the Pacers are like the ten in that conference. And I think the well, now Heat that we just have the play in, now that we have the play in, it'll be interesting to see which teams get hot at the right time, just like how the Wizards yeah. did last year. Yeah, exactly. But again, no Russ Beal playing a little off, or, or Beal playing probably solid, but just the rest of the team not being able to match up. So, well, well they see. beat the Lakers in the preseason. So moving over to the West now, how yep. would you want to do it? Northwest, and then uh, Northwest Pacific, and then Southwest. Cool. So from the Northwest. I got the Nuggies and Jazz as my only teams coming out. From the okay, from the specific region, I got cool. the Warriors obviously, Lakers obviously, Clippers and the Suns coming out of the Pacific. Okay, I'm higher on the Suns than I know you are. Yeah. And then from the Southwest, I only have the Mavs and the Grizzles. Okay. Um. Personally, I think that the Jazz take the Northwest. As well as the Nuggets and the Trailblazers, um, I think they're gonna lose. I think they're gonna lose Dame. That's the only reason why I say no to the Trailblazers because I think they're gonna lose Dame. But keep going. We'll see. Uh, in the Pacific, um, I think it's Suns, Suns, Lakers, Warriors. Definitely with the Clippers. I love what they did. I think they sneak in. And honestly, I think that. It's going to be just the Mavericks out of the Southwest. I love the Grizzlies. Don't get me wrong. That's fair. Um, but I think that they're going to be like a nine or ten seed. Um, I think yeah. it's them and I think it's them and the Trailblazers are kind of fighting for that eight spot throughout throughout the entire yeah. year with the Clippers kind of in that conversation too. Um, but I mean, we'll see what what the Lakers end up doing. We'll see what the Warriors. I think Clay's going to come back probably mid season. No. Um, so we'll, but if we'll you see. have Steph, if you have Steph, you're always in contention. Yeah, but I mean, I hate they to be were, like that. But if you have Steph, you're chilling. I mean, they were kind of just they were like talking for the you know the eight or nine or ten seed last year. So yeah, we'll end up seeing. But um, I think out of the East, I mean, I think we've said this. I think it's Nets out of the East, um, and I, I think personally, I know you probably don't agree, but I think it's Lakers out of the West, and then I think yeah. the Nets take it. I mean, I definitely have the Nets out of the East. But we'll see what the Bucks give them. We'll see if the Celtics can get Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown actually playing back to what they should be. Yeah. But, I mean, from the West, it's tough for me. I want to say right now that I like the Nuggets coming out of the West. I want to say that. And they've got the MVP from last year. You can't not. Well, and you also have Jamal Murray, who will just put up 40 in any random playoff game. They came back from 2-3-1 series. They just signed Michael Porter. Hopefully he plays to what he should. Um, But it's tough for me to root against the Warriors in the playoffs if they're all healthy. Yeah. Really tough 
for me to root against the Splash Bros. But for right now, I have Nuggets Nets. Okay, Nuggets Nets, and then who takes that? The Nets. I think so. Like I said, it's all well. That, that if you just have KD and Harden, I don't know if that's a guaranteed walk through. Well, and the thing is, is it's crazy that we say that because those are two of the top eight players in the NBA. But there's not much depth after Joe Harris and Blake Griffin. Yes, there is. They got rid of Jared Allen. Okay. But they picked up Patty Mills. Patty Mills could run the, the point. We saw what he did with Australia. The, the, Patty Mills could run point. <laughs> Patty Mills can play off ball. I mean, he's not... I, I mean, we people people are quick to forget you know, that he was a big piece of that Spurs team. When, when they won that huge, chip. He was a huge part of that Spurs team yeah. back way back when. At but the same time that Kawhi was coming out, Patty it's not like Patty Mills is some ancient dude. He's just not a you know, he's just not in the top yeah. twenty five point guard. So, I mean, people kind of forget about him, but anyways. That's what we got coming out. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode this week. Thank you, John, for coming on. Josh says that Patty Mills is a top twenty-five point guard. I, I just said he's not, not. I just said he's not. A, I said he's not oh. a top twenty-five point guard. Well, he's a top what? That, top what for you? Uh, I'd say. I, I mean, if you compare him to everybody, I'd say he's top forty, easy. Okay, well, top forty, yeah, I get behind. Exactly. That was gonna be. That was gonna be. It was gonna be Josh says he's a top twenty-five. I well, say he's not one of us. No, I, no, but I still think he plays an integral role. If if you don't think he plays an integral role, then maybe you're not gonna be right there. But no, I think he's going to play a huge role for that Nets team. Well, I don't think he's even going to average over 10 points this next season. And probably less than five assists a game. Probably less than three boards. You gonna So 10-5-3 and three is a stat line? In my I, opinion, I, I think he takes the under on those. I, I think he takes the over on one of those, but I don't think that it's something where he's, he's not going to ball out. It's not like he's going to be... This crate. I mean, but he's gonna so, play. So that's what I'm saying. They, they don't have much depth, but after, after literally Harden, Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, like like they, they don't Marcus have. Marcus Aldridge like, is back too. I mean, I know he's a corpse of what he used to be, but they still have. And he quit players. last year because he didn't want to play basketball. It's not that he didn't want to play. The doctors literally said you can't play basketball. There's a difference. He's a walking corpse. Yeah, you said he's a corpse. Yeah, I'm not gonna say those words. But anyways, Josh says that the Brooklyn Nets. Have dummy depth. I simply don't agree with that statement. You know what they say on the world famous podcast. One of us has to be right. He's Justin Wetwick. I'm Josh Deal. We'll see you next week. <laughs>